You're listening to Festival Grass. A podcast diving into the business and culture of the music festival world. Well, welcome everybody to the newscast in this week's edition. In defense of sex and parties, Burning Man camps already backing out of 2021 over COVID-19 concerns, despite no official call. UK trials health passports for entry into music venues. Elements Festival revolutionizing live music in a COVID-19 world. But first, we probably won't see live music in 2021. Now, over the past weekend, rap duo City Girls performed to a packed, largely maskless Tallahassee, Florida club that lost its liquor license last summer for floating pandemic health guidelines. The footage from the risky and careless concert looked like something you might see in largely COVID-19-free places like Wuhan, China, or New Zealand, not in a coronavirus hotspot ranking in the top six Florida counties in new cases per 100,000 residents. For music fans, it felt like yet another reminder of how far away the safe return of live music really is. With a painfully slow vaccine rollout, and the past two weeks showing a decreasing yet still high average of 146,486 new daily cases nationwide, Dr. Fauci's January prediction that concerts and theaters could return sometime in the fall of 2021, if everything goes right, seems less likely each day. That doesn't mean there isn't reason for hope, thanks to the United States Save Our Stages Act's inclusion in the omnibus stimulus package passed late last year, independent venues are finally getting the bailout they so desperately needed. Plus, the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines appear to be extremely effective, with data showing with data showing they eliminated deaths and nearly eliminated hospitalizations in trials with public results. But even with shots that are safe and effective, there is still a lot of work to be done before people can start seeing shows again. The challenge is the vaccine rollout has been slow, with more people that need the vaccine than there are vaccines available, said Dr. Danielle Ompad, an associate professor of epidemiology specializing in infectious diseases at NYU's School of Global Public Health. To make matters worse, though experts estimate anywhere from 70 to 90% of the people need to be vaccinated for communities to achieve herd immunity, the number of people who are willing to get vaccinated may fall short of that goal. It also doesn't seem like enough people are willing and interested in getting the vaccine to achieve anything close to herd immunity, she said. If people want the world to go back to the way it was a year and a half ago, we're going to have to cooperate. Vice interviewed a Dr. Ompad last summer when coronavirus cases were hovering around 50,000 per day, and artists like Chase Rice and Vanilla Ice and others were hosting maskless, not socially distanced concerts that were potential super spreader events. This year, she says, things feel almost riskier because there are complications that we didn't have last summer. I'm not that hopeful for live concerts to return for at least another year, at least ones that I would feel safe going to, she said. There's the reduced vaccine supply and lack of distribution infrastructure, but there's also the different strains that are circulating, some of which seem to be more infectious and may make you sicker. She also explained that while vaccines are tested for preventing disease, that is, their ability to stop a patient from getting sick after being exposed to the virus, we still don't know whether they can prevent infection 
That means that even if you get vaccinated, you could potentially get an infection but be asymptomatic and inadvertently pass it on to other people. Ill-advised events like the City Girls Club may facilitate asymptomatic spread, which can in turn have a ripple effect on wider communities. Even if going to shows right now doesn't affect young concert goers, it could affect their parents, their grandparents, friends, and siblings who have pre-existing conditions or their community, Dr. Ampad said. And if these events become super spreader events, they put not only the public health at risk, but further prolong venues staying shuttered and make concerts harder to be financially viable for artists, venues, and insurers. That said, some types of live events are probably safer than others, especially if they are held outdoors instead of indoors. Everyone wears a mask, and capacity limits and social distancing guidelines are strictly observed. But while the United States festivals like Riot Fest and Aussie Sin Limits are tentatively scheduled for September and October, Dr. Ampad says she wouldn't personally take that risk, partly because social distancing seems like it would be hard to enforce. When there's a concert and there's empty seats, people tend to move forward, she said. I honestly don't trust my fellow concert goers to stay in their seats, if they were like in the nosebleed section per se. And there are seats all the way up front. How does that get policed? Even if vaccination distribution improves, public willingness to be vaccinated is high and live music does return in some form this year, concerts are not going to look the same as they did pre-pandemic. For one, even if the United States reaches herd immunity against the coronavirus, masks may still be necessary for curbing potential transmission. I think you need to eject people from the venue if they refuse to wear masks or refuse to social distance, said Dr. Ampad. It's okay to take your mask off, to take a sip of your drink, or to have a quick bite, but you can't be chilling maskless with your friends and go into a mosh pit. She speculates that concert goers may even have to provide proof of vaccination to attend concerts in the future, a possibility floated by politicians like Andrew Yang, but remains controversial. Ticketmaster has said that it is exploring, possibly expanding its digital ticketing offerings to include options for event organizers who wish to require that attendees be vaccinated. In other words, the future of live music will look different, even if every mitigation measure against the virus exceeds expectations. But in the meantime, the best way we can help speed its return is to wear a mask and get vaccinated once we become eligible. You either want the music or you don't want the music, said Dr. Ampad. You can't have the music and all the crowdedness. If you want concerts back at all, wait your turn for the vaccine and continue to mask up. Burning Man camps already backing out of 2021 over COVID-19 concerns, despite no official call. Well-known burning camps are already chiming in with a big old nope on attending the 2021 event, even as Black Rock City organizers have not officially decided whether to proceed this year. Burning Man is one event where mandatory mask wearing wouldn't really change the vibe a whole lot. People are already wearing masks to keep the dust out of their mouths and lungs, and gas masks are part of the couture. If the 2021 iteration of the annual Bacchanalia does get cancelled over still lingering coronavirus public health precautions, we already know from 2020 what people are going to do. VR and AR types will build virtual Black Rock cities, a smattering of ill-advised burners will still show up on the playa, and many locals will infuriate mayor breed by partying at ocean beach it's still up in the air whether there will be a physical in-person burning man for 2021 there is now a vaccine albeit with a hobbled rollout but hey the event is still nearly seven months off 
the Burning Man Project's communication team posted in late January that, quote, we still have a ways to go before we can determine if it makes sense to proceed with BlackRock City 2021 planning, and we will continue to gather info and prepare, and we will share more by the middle of February. For perspective, last year, they applied the kibosh in early April. The Reno Journal-Gazette reports that the popular attraction Thunderdome has announced that they will not attend, and another well-known camp, Orgy Dome, said this weekend that they would not go because of the public health situation. Thunderdome, if you're not aware, is one of the event's most recognized structures where, builder, where burners battle it out while suspended in a geodesic human fighting arena that's based on a plot point from a 1985 Mad Max sequel. A lead organizer of the Camp Death Guild that builds a Thunderdome said, After very little deliberation and a lot of listening to reasons, Death Guild Thunderdome has made the rather easy decision to not attend Burning Man at BRC this year. The organizer added, We have a lot of scientists and smart people in camp. There was no hesitation. And that risking lives and participating in a non-essential event that is already lacking in diversity during a time when people of color are being disproportionately impacted by a global health crisis is unacceptable to us. Meanwhile, at Orgy Dome, a camp that is exactly what it sounds like it is, a Friday night post announced the same. There will be no Orgy Dome on Playa this year, the official camp post said. We recognize that there is no reasonable chance, and we are unreasonable people, that interactivities such as the Orgy Dome can be done safely on Playa this year. The safety of our community is immeasurably more important than what we offer. Those camps are able to make their call purely from a public health standpoint, but the Burning Man Project has other considerations, among them money. SFG Gate reported last year that cancelling the event cost them 90% of their annual budget, though that was somewhat offset by $5 million in community donations and a $2.5 million PPP loan in May. So the project may not be facing an existential crisis now, but losing the event two years in a row, well... That might put them there. UK trials health passports for entry into music venues. So music venues in the UK are facing great devastation due to the current pandemic. However, it seems that things may be looking up as health passports are being trialed for the possibility of a safe reopening. The health passport will be ticket will be a ticket ID system designed by the UCheck app. Originally launched in 2019, the system is meant to detect ticket touts and to link promoters to their audience. Due to the pandemic, the app has now transformed its identification system to help track attendees and their test results in response to health threats. Attendees will be alerted of signs of possible infection while directing them to testing facilities. The trial will be organized by the Music Venue Trust. There are plans for it to begin sometime in March. London's 100 Club and Bristol's Exchange are the venues planned to hold the trial. Events will be hosted at 25% capacity with two sets of tests with the same people. However, if all goes well, the trial will branch out to other venues in the UK. Music Venue Trust CEO Mark David spoke to Event Industry News about UCheck aiding to reopen venues. UCheck's Identity First solution has a lot of potential to help venues and promoters manage risk, he said. It has a fast and thorough authentication process which enables health information to be stored against portable digital identity. And Music Venue Trust is pleased to be working with UCheck to explore how this technology might form part of a comprehensive process which enables us to reopen every venue safely and revive live. 
Founder and COO at UCheck, Fred Krefting, also spoke with the events industry news about the health passport trial. We're working, not exclusively, with Innova in terms of testing, technology that looks for a viral load high enough to be contagious with 97% plus accuracy, he said. With COVID-19, the incubation period is two to five days. For the honeymoon phase, after the test, it's the shorter the better, which means you're good to go to a show for 48 hours. This week, the Nighttime Industries Association warned that 81% of UK nightclubs will close by March of this year without further government support. Furthermore, this statistic was conducted from a survey nightclub owners participated in, requiring them to provide evidence on their struggles. Now, I, for one, really do hope that this does work. I just wonder if there will be some pushback from goers. We will just have to wait to see if something like a passport will be a viable option in the future. Be sure to keep tuning in weekly for our Music Festival newscast and subscribe to our Deep Dives, our monthly in-depth topical discussion show with interviews and guests that will bring you insight and knowledge. Link in the show notes. Elements Festival revolutionizing live music in a COVID-19 world. So after releasing an eye-catching 2021 lineup, Elements organizers delved deep into the specifics of their industry-changing model for keeping attendees safe. Nearing the end of 2020, festival organizers and fans alike are desperately seeking out new and safe ways to bring back live music. Ticketing Behemoth and Live Nation subsidiary Ticketmaster even purported the idea of requiring attendees to use their smartphones to verify their COVID-19 vaccination or negative diagnosis status in order to gain entry into its events. Given the implications surrounding privacy and confidentiality, digital tracking and footprinting, and basic human rights concerns, among other things, this idea was met with harsh criticism by a large percentage of the public. However controversial, the idea to provide proof of vaccination or incorporating testing in order to be admitted into a concert or festival still seemed to be both a valid and reasonable idea, at least as far as laying down a concrete pathway for the return to live. Now that the vaccinations are rolling out across the United States and the world, and the number of vaccinated now matches the number of COVID cases, multi-day music arts and camping events like Element Festival plan on instituting a hybrid of this policy for its Labor Day weekend activities. According to the organizers, festival goers will be required to show proof of vaccination or take their free to two-part COVID-19 testing protocol the protocol consists of a PCR lab COVID-19 test before the event and an additional rapid test at the gate. As it stands, festival personnel have not given much detail about how attendees will be tested or what event constitutes proof of vaccination. They've also mentioned that additional testing for all may be required. However, fans should feel confident in the festival's ability to safely navigate these unfamiliar and daunting waters as the organizers were incredibly successful in replicating a similar format not once but twice in 2020 with their In My Elements retreats. The two-part festival retreat series, one in the summer and one in the fall, saw zero reported COVID-19 cases following the events. Conscious Electric magazine got the chance to chat with up-and-coming tech house producer Keenan, who will be opening up on the fire stage about his thoughts on the proposed model. I think that all festivals for the foreseeable future are going to have to put in similar protocols when it comes to ensuring the safety of festival goers. If we want to reunite with one another, it needs to be done in a safe and responsible manner. 
I commend Elements for taking the charge in having this discussion on how to safely throw an event. Not all systems will be perfect, though, and will definitely need to be tweaked when we have a better indication as to what the world would look like in September. Why change one festival when you can change them all? But simply putting on a safe music festival wasn't enough for the founders of Element Festival. Brett Herman and Timothy Monkiewicz, the duo who are also the founders of Brooklyn-based event and production company Bang On, took things a step further and created a consultation and production service company named Tested Contained Retreats, or TCR, an agency meant to help combat the challenges that the live events industry is facing amid the COVID-19 crisis. The intentions of TCR are to develop custom strategies to safely operate limited-size retreats, events, performances, conferences, and gatherings by utilizing safety and mitigation procedures for COVID-19, a mechanism that proved to be incredibly effective with the events they hosted in 2020. Here's what Herman and Monkiewicz had to say about their revolutionary idea in an interview with Forbes. Since lockdown started, we devoted a huge amount of time exploring the question, under what circumstances can events happen safely? We started out asking this question for our own events, but we realized that others are and will continue to ask the same questions. We sought to create a means to help out others, our colleagues, and the live events industry in general. We've learned so much over the last six months, and we consider it our civic duty to share the processes that have worked for us with the hopes of helping those who want to do something in a similar realm. There is no large-scale relief in sight for live events, so we felt it's time to start working within these strange new parameters while being as safe and cautious as possible. It's clear that the safety and well-being of festival-goers is top concern for the curators of and Element's exhaustive research and thorough initiatives prove such. Herman goes on into further detail about the testing protocols in an interview with Conscious Electronic. Quote, we implemented our two-part testing protocol in 2020 based on months of research since the lockdown started and advice from a variety of medical professionals, he said. In 2021, with another full year of data to review, we will be using the best technology and methodology available based on information from an even wider pool of medical professionals and incorporating the latest guidance from the CDC and state. In the same interview with CE, Herman also discussed how the hardships faced over the last year have only made him and his team more adapted to face any and all challenges that might arise. Quote, we've taken so many punches over the years, we actually feel more prepared for this in general, from shuttle buses being driven off the road to broken warehouse sprinklers as doors are opening, it seems like every event has at least one unforeseen hurdle, but you just get better at hurdling and prepare for a new and more interesting one each time. <laughs> Given the unpredictable nature of the current climate, hurdling is certainly a necessary skill. In any case, fans and the music community as a whole should feel confident with the organizers of Element Festival leading, leading the helm of what could be a revolution for live music as we know it. Taking place in Lakewood, Pennsylvania, Element's is boasting everything from large-scale art installations and interactive performances to 3D video projection mapping technology. I am really liking what I'm hearing out of Elements Festival. Now, we covered them in previous podcasts, and we did talk about their two-step process. At that point, they were calling it a bubble uh, where they required a PCR test two or three days before the event, and by all accounts, it went very well. Now, those events were small, so I'm wondering what the capacity will be for the 2021 event that they're setting up. 
Would you like to be on the show if you or someone you know is a journalist with a relevant article topic or can speak to a story we have covered? Please click or forward the guest sign-up link in the show notes. We'd love to have you on. Don't be shy. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. All right, in defense of sex and parties. Now, earlier this week, a journalist tweeted that she missed partying and sleeping with strangers. She also pointed out that boring lifestyles, which are already far too validated, have become the norm. The seemingly innocuous statement provoked a pile-on and the tweet's deletion. The tweet read in full, quote, I miss partying. Having to stay in the same three rooms for a year is really boring. It's hardly a controversial take, but have a trans woman say it on Twitter. Now, the backlash came from many corners. Some of it was people defending their traditional, not boring, ways of life. Some of it was reactionary, misogynistic, slut-shaming. Another group argued that the longing for parties in the middle of a pandemic when people are dying is frivolous or selfish, and that partying itself is exclusionary, even ableist. Many felt the tweet's derision of boring lifestyles was a direct attack, but such analyses obscure what's at stake the profound importance of parting as a form of resistance. Domesticity and monogamy are obviously valid choices. They are also normative ones. They are lifestyles legally sanctioned and now legally mandated by the state. In the pandemic, we have all been shoehorned into lives approximating a neoliberal ideal. We work, we are atomized in private households, our sex lives are limited to established relationships, We exist in our work, yes, our homes, of course, and our health, but we are so much more than that. We deserve rich, lush lives outside of our homes and beyond work. We all deserve not to be bored. We all deserve to party. A good party is, among other things, an affront to capitalism. It can provide a collective escape from drudgery, a sanctuary from oppression, a chance to transcend. It revives our utopian imaginations. A good party has elements of pre-configuration, glimpses into a better future. It gets you high on hope. This isn't our right to simply have a gin and tonic at a bar. It's about holding on to spaces of joyful defiance, which is what good parties have always been. The history of raves, free parties, festivals, and carnivals is a history of resistance. Queer nightlife during the AIDS pandemic offered not only hedonistic escape, but formed a part of community care strategies. Notting Hill Carnival was born of black resistance to racism violence during the 1950s. Good parties, which can be a form of civil disobedience, threatened the state. The 1994 Criminal Justice and Public Order Act cracked down on 90s rave culture and alternative lifestyles, including those of squatters and travelers. Governments are rightfully fearful of mass gatherings' potential for political organizing. Under lockdown, we must defend our right to protest and beyond the pandemic, our right to party. Of course, a lot of parties are not good, and partying can be exclusionary because it exists in a society laden with oppression. Nightlife can often be hostile to people from marginalized groups. Like our culture at large, it is marked by ableism, sexism, homophobia, transphobia, racism, classism, ageism. We need better parties. Whilst we remain isolated, we could fantasize about what kinds of parties we long for on the other side. Lockdown online events like Queer House Party have made partying more accessible 
and emphasized safer space principles. Parties with multimedia curation where older people feel welcome and over 70 events, playrooms dedicated to different kinds of touch. Sophie Lewis writes, the denial of pleasure to populations is a grave historic harm and the denial by some leftists of the centrality of pleasure to liberation struggles is a correspondingly serious error. Our pandemic lifestyles have instilled aesthetic tendencies and encouraged us to police each other in new and worrying ways. We must resist these socially conservative impulses. Most of us have found we are deeply unfulfilled, often depressed, by lives limited to our homes and our work. If you are among those few who don't find lockdown life boring, then good for you. If you do, if you found pre-pandemic life boring too, you deserve better. Joy should be a vital demand. As Emma Goldman said, I want freedom, the right to self-expression, everybody's right to beautiful, radiant things. And at a time when life has become so barren, insisting upon this is crucial. Well, thanks everyone for joining us on another week's Festival Grasp. Make sure to subscribe on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, or via your chosen podcast collector, so you'll never miss us talking into your ears again. And while you're at it, if you find value in what we are discussing, rate us on Apple Podcasts. It's like telling a friend about it, but better. And it gives us a chance in that big old world out there. I know we're just getting to know each other, but come on, show us some love. We're here for you. You're here for us. So let's do this thing. To sign up as an expert guest on the show, to leave us a question or message, or to jar tip your support, follow the appropriate links in the show notes. Be sure to keep tuning in weekly for our music festival newscast and subscribe to Deep Dives, our monthly in-depth topical discussion show with interviews and guests that will bring you insight and knowledge. Link in the show notes. This podcast edited by GBA Recordings. For me, Mario. And Shanae. See you next time. Bye.